1: Are you looking for more excitement than you can find on the comic book shelves? Then head over to HoundComics.com. At Hound Comics, you can choose from comic titles like Average Joe, The Revival, and Brimstone and the Border Hounds. Featuring and created by celebrity founder and CEO, Brimstone. And don't forget to head over to the official Hound store where you can buy comics for adults and kids alike.
2: Also at the Hound Store, you can get barbecue sauce with titles like Awesome Sauce and Cherry Bomb and seasonings like You're Baking Me Crazy
1: and Dust from Hell. So if you're looking for some comics that are finger licking good, head over to HoundComics.com.
3: You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory!
1: Welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Collie. I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today from the Think Alike Productions, we have Ruben Romero. How you doing Ruben? What's
4: going? I'm doing good guys. How are
1: you? Just fine. And we also have Benjamin uh, Charba, is that how it's pronounced?
5: Yes it is, thank you. How you How you guys doing? Good, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. We
1: want to thank both of you uh, for joining us. We had uh, some last-minute changes, so it's uh, it's awesome that you guys stepped in. Thanks so much.
4: That's not a problem. It's always good to be part of the show.
1: Yeah, hopefully totally. we'll have some fun today, too.
4: I'm sure we will.
1: Really quick, though, before we start the show, typically right here is where uh, I go through saying the different news topics we're going to be talking about. We had kind of talked about doing this for our 100th episode, mm-hmm. which is going to be taking place, what, toward the end of the year, Probably early yeah. next year, or something like that? Yeah. but uh certain uh stipulations have uh come into play here that we're not going to say uh just yet but uh yeah, we're going to change the format of our show just a little bit. We're going to get rid of all the news topics as that it kind of dates the show, you know? A, yeah, you can't few...
2: listen to it again later on.
1: Yeah, the replay value just uh, falls through the floor yeah. two weeks after it's been out. Nobody wants to hear who's, uh, you know, joined the uh, cast of uh, X-Men Days of Future <laughs> Past. I was just, just going to say about
4: X-Men.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I or Batman versus summer. Superman. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So... In place of what we used to do, in place of recaps and the rumor mill and just talking our normal news topics, we're going to fill that gap with a uh, segment that has yet to be named, but uh, pretty much we're going to pick a topic every week, either inspired by the news And if there's nothing in the news uh, to inspire it, then picked randomly. But we're going to pick a topic to get nostalgic on and uh, just look back and uh, just have friendly conversation on the Mm -hmm. topic. So this week, what I saw in the news was uh, this past weekend, I I believe it's because of the Boston Comic-Con, the cast of the new Ghostbusters, uh, Melissa McCarthy... Kristen Wiig and the other two, <laughs> Kate McKinnon and Leslie uh, Jones. Black 80. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they uh, visited a Boston hospital in uh, their full Ghostbuster gear, guns and everything, and uh, were visiting sick patients and cheering them up. So, Shoot, we almost made them the hero for this week. Hey, yeah, we
2: could have. Yeah, but I got a good one anyway.
1: Alright, yeah, that'll be anxious to uh, hear But yeah, past two weeks on uh, IFC They've been playing the heck out of the Ghostbusters movies for some reason And uh, just last year was the 30th anniversary mm-hmm. of the Ghostbusters So this week's nostalgic talk is going to be Ghostbusters So let's just jump right in we got a lot of stuff to talk about with the Ghostbusters when it comes to nostalgia we got the movies, the cartoons, the toys, the serials, all kinds of stuff So let's just start with the movies, I guess Favorite one? First one,
2: well, second one might be, it's really close. Ruben, what about you?
4: I think um, as much as uh, I'm a huge fan of, of originals and, and what kind of like opens the gate to, to franchises and, and universes and stuff like that, I think the second one for me is uh, is probably my favorite one and just because of, of the villain, because of Vigo and, and yes. kind of the, the, yep. the, st- the, the stakes seemed higher in, in part two for me. Uh, for the Ghostbusters, so I always enjoyed that one a little bit more.
2: Sure, I think the eccentric secondary character, I guess, is Lewis Tolly was in the first one. Yes, he was in it a little bit, but then Janish Poha, the uh, <laughs> uh, was he the curator?
3: Oh, God right. yes. uh, mind me, Lord! <laughs> <laughs>
2: he stood out. He was so much funnier in that movie yeah, than, he, than yeah. Lewis was in the first one. I think, even though he was in the second one too.
1: He was funny, yeah. for sure. What about you, Ben?
5: Um, I like the first one. Um, I like Rick Moranis. I love the Marshmallow Man. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm not a... I mean, I like sequels, but I like the originals the best. And uh, the dream with the ghost uh, that... Oh, uh, right. That he has. Um, and when we first get introduced, and um, I think the first Ghostbusters, and it's got also the lore of, the, of New York... Um, You know, the love-hate thing about New Yorkers and things like that. So definitely the first one for me.
1: I'm going to have to agree, I think. Both one and two hold special places in my heart. I think they do with all of us. Um, But when it comes to the second one, there were just a few things that bugged me. One and I think I've said this before, was it seemed like Ernie Hudson between the first movie and the second one like got 10 years younger. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, he looks weathered in the first one. And in the (laughs) second one, he looks like he just came from like a Bobby Brown concert or something. Well, he
4: got, he got, he got that movie check and he went and bought himself some good cream, you know, and and started getting massages on a weekly basis. You know, those movie checks go a long way. So they
1: do, they do. And I'm sure he's probably still getting them movie checks. Yeah.
4: Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. But another thing that bugged me was, uh, the mayor was the same mayor from the first movie And he, in the mm-hmm. second movie He's acting like they're just out of their mind Crazy After When in the first movie yeah, yeah, he he he, came, he turned to them to save the city mm-hmm. So <laughs> A little inconsistencies there But uh, I know the second one I hated I get that
2: they made, you know, the the insignia With the ghost reaching out Pointing with the two fingers the two, for two right. Why was that on the sign in the side of Ecto-1? That, yeah. kill, that, I hated that
1: Constant, in case you forgot it you were watching the sequel <laughs> Which one is this again? Let's look at the side of the car
4: <laughs> it, it was very self-aware The movie was very self-aware Of, <laughs> of what they were doing
1: very much so. You know, the first movie came before the real Go- Ghostbusters cartoon, mm-hmm. and obviously the second movie came after. So you know how in the real Ghostbusters they uh, they had Slimer as their buddy kind of... I couldn't stand that in the cartoon. ...pet or... Really?
2: Are you serious? Yeah, it didn't make sense to me why he was... I mean, even though at the very end of the first one he'd come flying out, so you know he was still around. Right. But that, yeah, that he was their pet,
1: like you say. Well, in the second movie, there's a scene where, uh, uh, Lewis, I don't know if he's suiting up or if he's just in the firehouse, like during a montage, but Slimer's in there just eating, kind of turns, looks at him, scares him off and goes back to eating or Mm -hmm. something. But I thought that was kind of a cool little homage. I mean, without pulling Slimer fully into, uh, (laughs) you know, being one of the crew, which I'm glad they didn't do. Oh, the first one was scarier. Yeah. The library, the librarian scene. Yep. My mom
2: was so mad when, that night after we watched it, when I had to wake her up because I was scared. It scared the piss
1: <laughs> out of you when you were a
2: kid, man. <laughs> to this day, she's still mad. She was like, I know, I should have never taken that movie. I'm like, but it was just that one part. Nothing else scared me. <laughs> I'm in my 30s, Mom. God. <laughs> Not even that chick with the flat top at the end scared me. Come on.
1: Oh, the, the David Bowie Gozer. looking girl, yeah. man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> David David Bowie's scary enough. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> The the, refri- the refrigerator scene always got me too. Like oh, the oh, when, yeah. when, when Sigourney Weaver's first experiencing her paranormal activity, so to speak. Like she, uh, like that scene really scared the hell out of me when I was a kid too.
1: Yeah, so. like the eggs and everything popping out of the carton onto the yeah. counter and frying. That was intense. Forgot about that. I don't know the second one with the
2: ooze coming out of the bathtub.
1: That well, ooze never scared me though Like pink purpley <laughs> ooze It did not seem the least bit threatening It looked That's... like shampoo <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Or not, not shampoo like hand soap There's
1: Panting Pro-V going beneath <laughs> New York City <laughs> Oh man But yeah it it's just stinks that we have to wait All this time now to get a Well it's not even Ghostbusters 3 Just somewhat of a reboot I'm, yeah. Are you guys looking forward to that at all? Not really No
5: I think either. that um, You know It's very sad that Harold Ramis passed away Oh I for really sure. thought that I think it would have been fantastic To have a third one with Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray And the old Ernie Hudson And and Harold Ramis But you know I mean I can see what they're doing But I'm probably going to pass on that movie
1: <laughs> Yeah I'm kind
2: of feeling the same way I can't stand the old family Vacation family truckster That's Ecto-1
4: The station wagon
1: I know. It looks so stupid.
2: It was so so much better as a hearse. So much. Yeah.
4: And they've got a motorcycle too now. They've oh got God. the ecto two. That's kind of like a dirt bike. I, you know, I'm I'm a little bit on the fence. I I think that, um, you know, I'm a fan of of updating things and and making them new for 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 newer audiences. You know, for new audiences. Um, I think that. Uh, McCarthy's a, a, a real funny gal. I think she's she's yeah. she's definitely capable of, of pulling you in. All, all of the stuff that she's done so far, I've I've semi enjoyed or, or fully enjoyed. Um, I I don't know. I you know I'll probably go see it just because I am a, a movie fanatic and I like to go check everything out. But um, I'm more interested in what they're trying to do as far as the other reboot or the Ghostbusters three where the rumors are like Chris Hemsworth, not Chris Hemsworth, but um, Chris Pratt Pratt and Channing Tatum, Mm. you know, and I think that's going to be more in the vein of passing along the torch, but I'd, Mm -hmm. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see how they coexist, if they're both in New York City or, or maybe they, they, they move it for, for the guys since the girls have taken over New York City. I'd like to see what they do with this franchise and, and how they open up the world. Because I think, again, back in the day they had, you know, like you, you touched on cartoons, serials, movies. So I think that there's a lot of potential with, with just the Ghostbuster story to, you know, universe to be able to go in different directions.
2: They end up doing like Ghostbusters Los Angeles. Yeah. Right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lot of ghosts out there One right, one yeah. unit of four people can't handle it all It's like firefighters, you know <laughs> Gotta have stations everywhere Now, you mentioned like- that motorcycle uh, That's gonna be in the new one I haven't seen any pictures Or if there's even uh, concept pictures out But mm-hmm. do you remember the vehicle, the toy vehicles They used to have for the Ghostbusters Aside from the Ecto-1 One I remember, it was kind of like a uh, It was a three-wheeled motorcycle kind of thing That they would drive And then the wheels would Or excuse me The sides would fall out to wings And it would become some flying thing No Oh it was It was sweet And it Like you You held it by the uh, The tail fin Of this thing And it had a trigger That when you pulled The propeller would go And it was pretty darn cool It was like a gyrocopter Kinda Okay yeah yeah. I think I remember that But it would fold up And it'd be like a street vehicle You know (laughs) Marketing
2: Well they had so (laughs) many cool toys though I remember the ones that you push the button and their like eyes would pop out and their jaw would get right open. Yeah. The hair would oh, lift yeah. up.
1: I had those. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> they look so weird. They look better when they when their face had the expression going than not. Yeah.
1: Well and then when you'd break the figure and then their face would be stuck with the eyes popped out <laughs> like, Well, I can't play with this anymore. I'll just pretend he's on Mars. <laughs> <There
4: you go>. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a total recall toy or whatever?
1: <laughs> but remember the, uh, like, I know I've mentioned this one on the show before, the, the even the ghost figures that came along with that. Like, there was the great big football fl- player that when he got down on all fours, his back opened up into, like, a oh, great yeah. big like alligator kind of mouth. Yeah. I think there was like a mailman, just ordinary like citizens that would transform into these ghoulish looking Mm -hmm. ghosts. They were pretty cool. But I'd say probably my favorite Ghostbusters toys were like the uh, – I had the Proton Pack, which was just a hollow plastic shell. I wanted that thing so bad. I tell you what. When I got that thing for Christmas, I didn't take it off for anything. I wore
4: that thing to the grocery store, church. I
1: wore that thing everywhere. You never know. It might be a ghost. Yeah. You know?
4: yeah no, I, th- I feel the same way. I, I um, The Proton Pack for me was like one of the key gifts. I remember oh, opening man. that thing up and just looking at my brother's and being like, "Haha, you're too old to play with this thing. Like, I thought I was just, like, the coolest kid ever, you know? Wasn't
2: it just Definitely. blue plastic,
1: though? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It had some stickers that went mm-hmm. on. I mean, yeah. But, uh, yeah, for the most it was, part. It was,
4: it was a real proton pack to me. I don't know what you're talking about. I <laughs> I, I slayed many a ghost with oh, that one. That was nothing different.
1: Remember <laughs> the noise that thing would make when you pull the trigger, like that loud, like, clicking noise? Mm-hmm. And it uh, to mimic the beam coming out, it came out with this uh, long yellow styrofoam noodle, like pulled oh, noodle yeah, kind of yeah. thing that you'd stick in the yeah. end, which I was like, I don't need this. To sit, sit there and shake. I, I yeah. got my imagination. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this isn't doing the illusion for me. <laughs> 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 but it was funny because the following Christmas, the proton pack had gone over so well that uh, I received another Ghostbuster gun for Christmas. And this one... Uh, there's no backpack or anything included, just a little uh, two-hand gun that when you pulled the trigger, it projected a uh, picture of a ghost onto the wall.
4: Mm, I remember mm, that, cool. too.
1: Yeah, kind of like the, uh, what was the, the like the binocular thing? You put the wheel in and click and you get oh, different the pictures. View viewfinder or something like that? Viewmaster something. Viewman, yeah. Yeah, it, it was kind of like that, but it would project the images on the wall. So it looks like there's ghosts. Yeah. You turn the (laughs) lights off in a dark room, and then their ghosts would be on the wall. There
3: he is. I got
1: him. You know (laughs) what I ended up doing, though, is I'd set that thing up with the trigger held. Go get the proton pack.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I got this down. (laughs) Yeah, right? They, They had the catcher, too, right? Like the little device where they sucked in... The ghost in the movies. I th- I I think I remember being a kid and and have me, me and my little brother are close to age, so I think we would get like the same gifts all the time. And I think that uh yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think like that year, you know, we both got a proton pack and we got like a ghost catcher, like the thing that that catches the ghosts when you when you've got it, you know, sucked in the yeah. beam, and you would like press a button, you know, with your foot, and it would open up the doors on the thing, you know. Like I, I, I think I That's recall awesome. having that. They
1: definitely did have one of those and I wasn't yeah. a lucky enough child to own one. You're a lucky person.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I had two Christmases, so I would wake up at my mom's and then like a few hours later my dad would come pick me up and they were every year trying to outdo each other. I was just at one point at one point I was just waiting to get like real ninja turtles from one of them. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna come into the house and there's gonna be an actual mutated turtle with my dad sitting next to him and he's like I outdid your mom this year you know No.
3: who do you love more (laughs) yeah
4: exactly
1: (laughs) nice yeah what else was there the the cereal I think it was pretty much like every other cartoon themed cereal marshmallow ghosts marshmallow ghosts with the uh, little gross whole grain parts you know (laughs) just give us a box of marshmallows Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) But there was a, uh, and we've talked about this before. The uh, record, a, the record, yeah. yes, the little vinyl record that came on the box of cereal in promotion of the second movie. Yeah, and you'd put this thing on the record player, and it was Egon from the cartoon. He says, uh, you know, "Hi, fellow Ghostbusters." There's Actually, there's no.
2: Egon from the Ghostbusters. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'll
1: just cut it in right here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the new Ghostbusters Movie Mystery. In just a moment, you'll get a chance to meet Egon Spengler, the brave, courageous hero from the Ghostbusters movies. Now, kids, answer the three questions that Egon will ask you later on this record, and you could be eligible to win one of the two grand prizes in the new Ghostbusters Movie Mystery sweepstakes. And right now, I take great pride in introducing Egon Spengler.
3: Hello, Ghostbusters fans. Have you been looking out for ghosts lately? Great. Now you have a chance to be an honorary member of the Ghostbusters team. You can win a trip to Hollywood for you and your family, and meet me, Dr. Egon Spengler. How lucky can you get? (laughs) Well, it could be worse. You could be meeting Slimer. Now here's a tip. Clues to the mystery questions are contained in the new Ghostbusters movie. If you haven't seen it yet, make plans to go right away. It's great. You've never seen ghosts like the ones in this movie. Everyone thinks the Ghostbusters are beaten, but you know better, don't you? We're back, and we're better than ever. Especially me, the brilliant Dr. Egon Spengler, with twice the know-how and twice the particle power. <laughs> now remember, everyone, if there's something wrong in your neighborhood, who are you gotta
0: call? Now, Egon will ask you some fun questions about the new Ghostbusters movie. Question number one.
3: In what city does the new Ghostbusters movie take place? Number two, what lurks beneath the city and is the Ghostbusters biggest bust? And question number three, what must people do to ward off this evil?
0: Okay, is everybody ready to enter the sweepstakes? Mail a 3x5 card with your answers, your name, age, and address, including zip code, and your telephone number, to the new Ghostbusters Movie Mystery Sweepstakes, P.O. Box 4029, Beverly Hills, California, 90213-4029. The more you enter, the more chances you have to win. Only one entry per envelope, please. See details and official rules on specially marked boxes of new Ghostbusters, Cookie Crisp, and Dinosaurs brand cereals. There are two versions of the record, so collect them both. See you at the movies,
3: kids.
1: Yeah, so there you go. That was the audio for the. (laughs) He was talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to answer those very simplistic uh, uh, questions to get a chance to, uh, what was it, win a, a trip to New York to meet the real Egon or something? Or was it to Los Angeles? I don't remember. I don't remember. But yeah, the question's like, what city... Does Ghostbusters take place in? <laughs> <laughs> Mail your 3x5 card. Yeah. <laughs> Man, how the times have changed.
2: I hated with the cartoon, how they changed uh, what's-his-name's voice halfway through it. Who? Uh, Bill Murray's character, uh, Vinkman. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, because I remember his voice, he sounded like Garfield. He was Garfield. It was the same guy. Uh, was it? Mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. Maybe he passed away or something like that, but I, I want to say it was Dave Coulier ended up doing his voice later. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't stand Dave Coulier doing it, even though he he did sound him more like from Caddyshack
1: mm-hmm.
2: than he did from the, the show, but
1: yeah. As long as he doesn't say, cut it out.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll be back to saying that now that we're getting a, a Full House, uh, Jeez, oh yeah. Fuller House series. Full,
5: yeah, Fuller House. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that one. I don't understand what Netflix is doing with that. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, it's all the hype, bringing old stuff back to back to life. I mean, Ghostbusters, uh, case in point. But uh, right. I
2: guess uh, since it's going to be on Netflix, you won't have to worry about flipping through cable and landing on it on accident.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely pop in for an episode or two just to see what everyone looks like and how it how it plays i mean i'm sure it'll be awful but checked out inspector gadget and hated it but oh, yeah <laughs> it, the, the theme song inspector gadget yeah. was it was the theme song yep man that was the best theme song to this I <laughs> love it the original one all right anything else on ghostbusters guys i think we covered that one pretty well i think we did too this is going to be fun doing this whole segment mm-hmm. here
4: yeah, no, it's uh, definitely reaching back and, and you know, nostalgia, I think, is I think that's the reason why we're seeing these reboots is because not only because they were proven, you know, to be successes, you know, at their at their time of conception and, and when they came out, but because people have held on to them and kind of, you know, put them up there on a pedestal and say these are. These are the things we love. These are the things that, that we hold dear. And I think that that's what studios kind of are banking on. They're saying, well, the parents loved, you know, the, the, the parents, you know, that are parents now loved them when they were kids, and now they've got kids. So there's nothing better than taking, you know, like I love sitting down with my son and watching Star Wars and Monster Squad and Goonies and being like, this is the stuff that got my gears going when I was, you know, like, and got my creative juices flowing when I was a kid. You know, sit down and watch this. And like watching their eyes light up and being like wow like this was awesome and they're, you know and they're like man they did this stuff with like no cgi you know and i was like yeah that's right no cgi you know everything was done you know special effects or, or makeup work and and i think that that's what the studios bank on and they, they they rely on that nostalgic love that that the generation prior had for that for that specific franchise and then they, they say okay we're gonna reboot it we're gonna we're gonna update it we're gonna bring in new people but we're gonna keep that the core of it together so that you can still
5: relate you know so you can still relate to it and then share it with a brand new audience I don't necessarily agree I think you just when you're saying you're watching with with Silas you're watching the Goonies and all that and you're watching the originals and you're you know you're introducing them to how what you liked when you were a kid and I'm a little bit older, I'm, I'm, I'm older than you. So I would, I even go further back. I'm against these reboots because it's like, you know, I just, there's certain classic movies that should just not be redone. And you know, if the new generation wants to see Ghostbusters, then see the one with Bill Murray, because that's a, cl- it's not only sci-fi, but it's just so funny to see those three guys interact. Right. And what was funny at the time, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I would tell my parents, oh my God, you, you didn't have this when you're in the 50s and 60s. And now I hear kids these days that say, how did you go to college without a cell phone, without internet? <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, mind balling. Like, what's a rotary phone? And I'm like, oh my God, it's deja vu. It's it's hitting me in the face. So, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a big fan of, of reboots. Um, and in fact, I read an article today about how Star Wars and a couple other movies are going back to practical practical effects—and
1: mm-hmm.
5: right. I think that that's key, you know. And when you hear Rick Baker retiring, that's a big blow to the movie industry because mm-hmm. he's the king.
1: Right. Both of you raise good points. I, I mean, going back to you saying watching uh, Star Wars with your uh, with your son—I don't have children—but that's something that I've always envisioned doing with my child when I yeah. do. Have children is introducing them to this, you know, Star Wars, the Ninja Turtles, and stuff like that. Uh, Ninja oh. Turtles being a great example of uh, bringing back a franchise and doing it well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, before Nickelodeon got their hands on this property, I wasn't talking about the Michael Bay movie, really quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> perfection, right? No, but the Nickelodeon cartoon is pretty close to perfection, if not perfect. Every episode just is awesome. Like this new season just started. And uh, they were time traveling this past Sunday's episode, and there was a scene where they were um, fighting like uh, some skeleton warriors, and it was a total like homage to Jason and the Agronauts, the very first uh, stop motion animation. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and there were Great like movie. A, yeah exact scenes from that done in this uh, turtle cartoon. You know, no, none of these kids nowadays are going to get that, but seeing that was. Awesome! Another part where they had they had gone through time and they're all getting on horses and Raph kind of stops and says, "Turtles on horses, this just doesn't seem right." And I think that kind of a dig at the third movie, you know? Yeah, right.
2: That's why the new series takes stuff from all the turtles. Yeah, takes the best thing from
1: every uh, incarnation and uh, puts them out there. So I I, I can get behind a reboot if it's if it's done well. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Ghostbusters.
2: Can't say I've seen one yet that's been good.
1: A reboot? Yeah. Mm. Boy, we could sit here a minute with that yeah. thinking about yeah. that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm going through my mental Rolodex, and I'm like, mm. uh, I've enjoyed some, but I've never, I haven't walked out and been like, "That's perfect." Like that right. was exact, you know. And and again, I I know I'm probably one of the few, but I did like the, you know, and, and people say Michael Bay, you know, he, he he produced the movie, but I thought, uh, Jonathan Leesman, I think his last name is, I thought he did a good job directing it. Um, I thought, I thought the movie had, you know, it's, it's good things. I, I would say Megan Fox isn't my favorite choice for April O'Neil whatsoever. Um, I think she's what probably takes you out of the turtle universe the most, but I thought that they had their personalities down. And, um, I probably wouldn't have gone with Johnny Knoxville to voice Leonardo either. Um, but, um, and, and a lot of people griped about the new design and stuff like that. But, you know, that was one thing, even as a kid, I, I even wondered, I was like, where do they breathe? Are they just like mouth breathers or
2: (laughs) (laughs) mouth open on the one side?
4: Right. Like, I always thought, like, man, that's, you know, that sucks for hiding. Because if you're trying to, like, surprise the foot <laughs> and you're back there just <sighs> Darth Vader breathing, you're not going to surprise anybody. So, you know, they gave him nostrils. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, you know, I thought Michelangelo was spot on. I mean, I laughed so hard that that scene where she's waking up, you know, from passing out. And he's like, have you seen that video with the cap?" playing chopsticks with (laughs) chopsticks like I was like that's that's Mikey you know and Raph and Leo going at it you know and they're like oh you guys haven't had this discussion for the last you know 10 minutes or whatever like I thought it was good Um, I thought Donatello was a little bit too much with like, yeah, we get it. He's a nerd. He doesn't need, you know, specs and a proton pack and, (laughs) you know, all these things that he's got. But, um, but yeah, you know, there was things that I liked and, you know, so, but yeah, I can't say like clear, like reboot that I walked out of there thinking they nailed it. This is exactly how I felt as a kid watching it. You know, no,
5: I I got to agree with that.
1: That sounds like a good uh, nostalgia topic right there. Reboots. Not
5: yeah. doing yeah, some time. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean there's uh the thing that drives me crazy is some classic seventies and eighties t v shows that they've just done such a horrible job one one that uh I keeps to mind is Starsky and Hutch. I oh. love that show when I was a kid, and that movie was just, oh my God, and like Dukes <laughs> of Hazard, uh, it it's just like stop already, stop, please. Right.
1: Now so. there was a uh, 80s show that got made into a movie that I loved was The A Team. Yeah.
5: Oh, that I agree. That I thought oh. was, I was sad to not see sequels. Yes. Yeah, me too. That cast was spectacular. Yes,
1: they did good. Brad Cooper was a great face. Well, yeah, he was. Helen uh, mm-hmm. Madden Burdock. I'm not sure who uh, played him, but he was spot. Yeah, on. yeah, he was awesome. Too. Uh,
4: that's uh, Charlo Co- that's Charlo Copley from uh, from District Nine. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, Elysium. Oh. He's a he's a monster. He's one of my favorite actors. And yeah, you know what? You're right. The A team was was incredible. It was it was great. But I guess that's the Hollywood you know machine. I mean, they say. Here, let's reboot this, and then everybody hates it, and they make five sequels out of it, and everybody loves it, and they don't. We never see it again. Right. So it's like, it's it's weird the way that machine works.
1: And that was a good movie too, with the I mean, I didn't like how uh, BA's character the whole time was dealing with moral conflict, yeah. and you only get like five seconds of badassery out of him at the end of the movie. But other than that, great movie. I mean, it, yeah. it nailed the show mm-hmm. pretty darn well. All right. Well, I think that's probably enough getting nostalgia for today. We're running a little long, (laughs) which is good, which is good. So with that, let's just get right into our uh, roundtable comic talk.
2: Who wants to go first this week? I'll go first because I was very upset with my pick. Very upset? Yeah. Okay. Uh, From Boom Comics, Bill and Ted's most triumphant return. Oh. (laughs) Got the number one, and I don't, maybe it, maybe that franchise has run its course It's oh, just yeah. not good anymore Yeah I mean it was funny back then I kind of chuckle just With their most excellence And their, their big worded sentences Mm-hmm But other than that, it wasn't... (laughs) Not good.
1: Yeah, I had to to push through to finish it. You know, another thing about Bill and Ted, especially nowadays, is the phone booth is long extinct. Yeah. Newer generations, with the exception of Doctor Who, you know, and his uh, phone booth, can relate to that too much.
2: This picks up right where the second movie ended. Oh, really? Yeah, they're at the big show that was at the end where they made their one good song, and... Now they're trying to figure out what to do. They need to make more songs. So they figured they found out that in the future, there's a class in school about them. So they get in the phone booth, go to the future, try to find out what that next song's going to be. <laughs> and uh, it, it took me a second because Rufus, that was uh, George Carlin, yes. played him. It didn't look like him. And it took me a second to realize who that character was. As it kind of sucked in the book. Maybe they're just not allowed to use his likeness or something. I don't know. It may be, maybe that's what it was. But I was like, who is this? I'm like, oh, my God, this is Rufus. Hmm. But, yeah. And then there was a real short comic in the end where they're, they're good robot uss that are hanging around with them got some kind of an email because they're in 91. They got an email with an attachment that had a virus, and they started acting crazy. So they came to the present to a computer store to have them fix them. It, yeah, it was Just <laughs> There's a
1: place in wow. time to fix every problem.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, who's writing that book?
2: Uh, Brian Lynch, Jerry Gaylord, and Whitney Kogar.
4: Hmm I don't know. I think you're right. I think that 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 franchise is just it's it's ran its course. They're even talking I think they're even talking about doing a, a Bill and Ted 3. Yeah. Um and I can't I can't even <laughs> imagine that <laughs> that would yeah, with, that would with be like Reeves. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, with with the original actors. I mean, I just, oh, wow. I I can't imagine what that movie is going to be like. I mean, I, are they going to travel with a cell phone? Um, <laughs> <laughs> are they going to have like an iPhone seven plus to go through time? I don't. I mean, I just don't see it. But again, it's it's those things where uh, just to go right back where we were at, just nostalgia. People want to want to dig up these these. Things and, and just you know update right. them and read do them, but yeah no that that comic book sounds like, like <laughs> I a, thought it, it might it, be cool
2: that, when I first heard about it, but then yeah after reading it I was like man I got I don't even want to read this anymore.
4: Yeah, kind right. of it kind of sounds like it let you down.
1: Yeah, when you first pulled it out there I thought it was like one of IDW's mix-ups like. Bill and Ted meets Weekend at Barney's or something like
5: that, <laughs> you know? Oh, that'd be funny, actually. Yeah, I'd read that. <laughs> yeah. Or oh even Bill and Ted copyright Dr. Who, you know? You Bill
4: go. and Ted and Dr. Who, at least they both have a phone booth, you know? I mean? Exactly. <laughs> that
2: would work. I might try watching the movie, see if it holds up still. Probably not, but... No, it doesn't. I, get, I get, <clears throat> get tired of it real quick.
1: They put it on Netflix not too long ago, and, uh... We had talked about Bill and Ted on the show, I don't know, within the last 20 episodes, and I started yeah. watching it, and I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. <laughs> All right. Anything else on that? Nope. Bill and Ted,
2: don't read it. 90,
4: 90. Don't read it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the minute that you said Bill and Ted, I was like, no, nope. <laughs> that's uh, that's wrong. That's not the one. That's not something that uh, you should be reading. No. It's not very often
1: I find a bad book, too. Yeah. Well, it happens. You got to get some There and there, right?
4: It does. It does. It happens. You, sometimes you pick up a dud, and it's just like, ah. Oh. Right. Yeah.
1: I hate when that happens, but yeah, it comes with the package. Com- yeah. Comes with being a comic book lover. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Who
1: wants to go next?
4: I'll talk about a book that uh, is done. It's run its course, um, but I love it. Um, It's a book from Image. It's called Ghosted. It's written by uh, Joshua Williamson. It's about a master thief who is broken out of who gets broken out of prison to steal a ghost for a very uh, eccentric collector who has collected everything in his life uh, and now wants to uh, own a ghost, and um, and uh, the main character is uh, is Jackson Winner. Uh, he's the master thief, and he's kind of like this non-believer. And um, and he goes through these adventures after he's hired to steal this ghost. Um, and it's just it's a great book. It's it's got great art. Um, I think the the artist. I'm probably gonna murder his last name, but I think it's, his name is Vladimir Kristic or Kristic. Um, but, but I mean, it's it's a, it's a wonderful book. I actually read the end, not knowing that it was going to be the end, and uh, and when it got to it, I was just like, wait a second, did this did this book just end? And uh, and I walked out of my room and I told my wife, I was like, she was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like. One of my favorite books just ended, and I didn't even know it was going to end. And, uh, and she was like, well, that sucks. And I was like, yep. So I've actually started to read it again from the beginning just to uh, you know go through, the, go through the experience one more time. But I recommend the book to anybody who hasn't, who hasn't read it. Uh, they've got all the trade paperbacks available. Uh, go get it because, I mean, it's just one of the best comic books I've read probably in the last five years.
1: Wow. Hmm. You said that's called Ghostly?
4: Ghosted. Ghosted. Ghosted, excuse me. And how long has yeah. that been out? It's I would I would say it started its run probably late twenty thirteen, I wanna say. Hmm. And ran all through twenty fourteen and just ended uh like I would say probably like a couple months ago.
1: Wow, that one really got under my radar. No. Yeah. Sounds good though. Got wow. that written down. Oh, yeah.
4: yeah, he's uh he's amazing. He's got a couple other books. Uh he's doing Birthright, he does uh Nail Biter, uh and he's just one of the guys that, you know, as, as a comic book writer myself, I, you know, I, I try to, I, I try not to fall into the, the comic book tropes, you know, like in those, you know, writing these one dimensional characters and, um, that you see a lot of in mainstream ca- comics, you know? Right. Uh, and, uh, and Joshua Williamson, he just does such a great job at not doing that and evading all of those pitfalls and stalemates and, you know, just some of those, what I call filler, kind of like the way, You know, animes have like these long arcs, but they have all these like filler episodes that don't have anything to do with the longer arc. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do any of that. Everything ties into the main arc. Everything is important, you know, so um, to to the overall story. So I've you know, I try to take my cues from that when I'm writing is everything has to relate to the main story and, and, you know, issue you know, 12 can't just be a filler issue just because you've got, you know, nothing. You don't want to give away anything, you know. you got to keep on creating, keep on adding layers to to your story. And, and I think he does that very, very well. Man,
1: I'm excited to look that up. Yeah. That was yeah. from Image? Image, Yep. Okay.
5: All right. Ben, you want to go next? Sure, I'll go next. Well, I have, outside of the, uh, obviously, Think Alike titles, um, the agency I liked a lot. I've re- I went to New York uh, Special Editions and I picked up a couple of independent books that I thought were kind of interesting. But I, I was born and raised in France. Oh, really? So um, my favorite comics to read and reread are uh, some classics like Lukey Luke um, and uh, T- Tintin, which uh, Steven Spielberg okay. made a movie. That's one of my favorites because they've got so many different stories. And those are more traditional paperbacks rather than single issues. You know, when I was younger, I also read a lot of Marvel and DC, so anything with X-Men. But I would say there is this one book I'm gonna refer to um, that I picked up at special editions that was pretty interesting. I'm a big fan of Westerns, and this thing is called The Devil Is Due in Dreary. Uh, It's written by David Parkin and Alan Jefferson, and it's uh, currently in Arcana distributed by arcana and it's uh got some interesting elements where it's uh cowboys uh, going into a you know cowboy town and there's a mythology that if some outlaws go into that town you know the devil will come up and take all the souls and there's some religious things in there so that was pretty good for like you know an indie indie creation that's what i would say what i've read recently um obviously i think i I read, you know, Salvagers from uh, Think Alike from Bob. That was pretty fun. Yeah.
1: Raw, that was a great book. Yeah,
5: yeah that was pretty fun. Um, and then looking to, you know, for Sakura. I haven't read Max Hunter yet uh, no, from Alex. Mom. And then, um, you know, because I've been also concentrating on uh, Pray for Angels and uh, working with Ruben on that. Because my background, I've also. You know, produced three feature documentaries and one feature film, and I'm working on actually Pray for Angels, the film, so I've been mostly reading scripts as opposed to comic books, but I think they go hand in hand in terms of adaptation.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
5: So that's what I've been reading recently.
1: Awesome. A lot of good things in there, Uh, and also we're going to get a chance to talk about Pray for Angels a little bit later. I'm anxious to hear more about that. Uh, we were sent a copy of that and the agency yep. just a little bit before the show. We didn't have a chance to fully read, but we got to look through. And, uh, boy, they look they look awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we can't wait to pick your brain a little bit later about that. I guess I'm the only one left. Yeah. <laughs> we'll
4: just end it there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all on you. It's all on you.
1: <laughs> Take us home. Well, it's funny you uh, bring up Westerns because this week's pick, I uh, picked up a uh, Marvel Secret Wars title. With the big merger happening to Battleworld, uh, this just kind of jumped off the shelf, grabbed my attention. A book called uh, 1872. Anyone here heard of it?
4: Mm-mm. Yep, I'm actually. It's actually at the top of my read pile right now.
1: Oh man. Okay, I have to be careful. I don't want to. if I want ruin anything <laughs> oh, no, for you. No, no,
4: It's fine. It's fine. Go ahead and talk about. it. I thought it was. I, I, I've opened it up. So, and I saw the map, and I thought it was very. Uh, it's very cool. There's a lot of nods on that map. So uh, I'm very interested at seeing where that story goes. But yeah, okay. go ahead. Talk. Talk it up. Talk I'll, it up.
1: I'll be as uh, vague as I possibly can here. This is. Uh, <laughs> I read issue number one, and it's written by uh, Jerry Dugan, and the art by uh, Nick Varela. I believe that's how it's pronounced. But yeah, this is pretty... Again, this is set in 1872, and it's all the Marvel heroes in an Old West setting. So in this book, just to name a few of the main characters, you have Steve Rogers, who is the sheriff. Uh, You have Tony Stark, who's... So far, they've let up. You know, he's the local drunk, but he's an mm-hmm. inventor. Uh, mm-hmm. They let up that he used to invent guns, but you see a few of his uh, more modern inventions around town, like a uh, kind of like a Zoltar Fult- fortune teller machine mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but pretty much what happens in this... Man, I feel so bad now. that He's about to read this, and I'm about to <laughs> no, spoil no, no. the whole it's, thing. It's,
5: Spoiler,
4: it's totally- spoilers! Spoilers! Yeah. <laughs> spoilers! No, 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 no. Spoil, spoil it. Spoil. I've, I've got like 30 books. I'll just put it under the read pile, and, <laughs> okay. uh, and I'll forget about what you said. You there you know? go. Okay, no, there no, we go. No, no, no worries.
1: So in the Valley of Doom, there's a little western town by the name of Timely, which is awesome in itself because Marvel Comics used to be Timely Comics, so that's a nice Mm. little nod to them right there. But it opens up uh, with a Native American fella who's trying to blow a dam that's been uh, diverted off its regular path to make way for uh, uh, gold mining. But in doing that, the water is being cut off from uh, from his family, his community, and so he goes to try and uh, blow it but uh some local people stop him and they go to hang him where which is where Steve Rogers comes in. He's going out there to stop this hanging. And again, he's just a sheriff of the small town of Timely. When he gets out there, it's a bunch of Wilson Fisk's boys. Now, Wilson is the mayor of hmm. uh Timely. But uh yeah, he's he's not a good guy in a nutshell, Wilson Fisk. Surprise! Surprise! Yeah, so they're <laughs> trying to Wilson Fisk and his uh, his crew of guys are trying to get, kill this Indian guy to you know for trying to blow up the dam. So yeah, Steve Rogers brings this uh, Native American guy back to uh, the small jail, locks him up, and uh, guys keep coming out of the woodwork trying to take him out. Fisk, Fisk's guys. And uh, eventually Wilson Fisk himself comes in and uh, tries to talk reasonably with Steve Rogers, but uh, Steve Rogers, he's the long arm of the law. He's not letting anything pass. He serves the star, you know, not, uh, he doesn't make the rules as he says in this book. But it's, uh, it's just very cool because different people from Marvel Universe pop in here in different incarnations. Like They make Bruce Banner like the traveling elixir kind of guy. <laughs> um, some of the bad guys that stroll into town at the end are very familiar faces, but I'm not going to say because I don't want to ruin it. Uh, one part in particular that made me laugh uh, right out loud was... Tony Stark and Steve Rogers are getting surrounded by uh, the Fisk guys. The Fisk boys, I think they're referred to.
3: (laughs) (laughs) They're old Fisk boys. Them Fisk
1: boys again. But, uh, yeah, Steve says something to Tony, because I know you've got a gadget up your sleeve now with a gun probably attached to it. So he holds his hand out, and this little thing from his wrist pops out, which should have a gun on the end of it, but he's like, well, since I've given up guns, I've made some modifications, and what what flips out is a flask, so as (laughs) Steve's trying to get him out of trouble, you see Tony just kind of drinking his troubles away, but... I'm not going to say much more on this book It was a lot of fun I've got a soft spot for uh, westerns So this was uh, scratch me right where I itched So 1872 That was issue number one The next one should be out fairly soon I'd imagine Alright I guess that does it for Comet Talk A lot of good titles this yeah. week Except for oh, Bill yeah. and Ted oh, yeah, I, was say. Except for mine.
4: <laughs> I ruined it <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: Bill and Ted let us down No
1: <laughs> Yet again All these years later, (laughs) bogus. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with that, let's move right into
3: real world heroes.
2: Jack, who do we have this week? We have. They didn't. This is a a 13 year old girl from Colorado. They the mother didn't want her last name released, of course. Okay. But her first name is Kaylin, and this happened back in 2012 when the the Dark Knight, the shooting at the Dark Knight. Return, okay. was it The Dark Knight Rises? Okay. When that happened, turned out uh, this 13-year-old girl, she went to the movie with four of her friends and one of her friend's mom. Three of them were shot during the, the massacre on it. Instead of running away um, when her friends got shot, she ended up staying there and giving CPR to her one friend and ended up, she made it through.
4: Oh, I can, wow.
1: can't yeah. imagine what I would uh, do if I was sitting in a movie theater and... Someone start opening fire. I mean, you know, there's just going to be a rush of people at the. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the girl that she saved was uh, six years old, but she was able to save her by giving her CPR. And she's how old? Thirteen.
1: Thirteen. Yeah. I was thirteen at the time. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. That's heroic. Yeah, never heard anything about that. Uh, the whole fiasco. Yeah, but they showed that guy's face how many times? That Didn't he have like, guy? like red dyed hair yeah. or something? Psychopath.
4: Yeah, wow. he he was just um just i don't know what was wrong with that guy i mean those are the things that that me as a human being you know you go into a movie theater where people are supposed to feel safe and uh and enjoy you know two hours out of their life you know they, they dedicated to to opening up their minds and stepping into a new world and and you ruin that you ruin that and you ruin lives and uh and, and that was just such a disgusting thing to do yeah yeah so but a, she definitely a hero. I mean yeah. to have the, the nerve to to stay behind and, and, and give CPR to your friend and, and have your friend make it through, that just goes to show you that, you know, she's she's a real life Batman right there. I mean that's that's what Absolutely. you do, you know, that's that's what you're supposed to do. You know? I got a quote
2: from her saying that she was like when the 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 police and the medics and all stuff arrived that she did she didn't realize what had happened still, she was still kinda in shock.
1: Oh, she it, didn't realize that what all had happened, I guess. I'm sure it would mess with you, yeah. like, severely. Like, being in that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say that she's a hero. And yeah. for that, Kaylin, you have found a spot on our wall of justice. In the
3: Hall of Heroes. So that's <laughs> a
1: heroism I don't think I can summon. Yeah, no. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it
4: is. It's amazing.
1: <clears throat> All right Well I think that does it For everything we got to talk about Except with turning our attention Over to Ruben Romero And Benjamin Carbett And talking about Some of the things Happening over at think Alight Productions Thanks for being with us again guys Absolutely a
4: problem. It's a pleasure
1: Now a few of the things You sent over One being the agency Ruben you write that Correct?
4: Yeah along with <laughs> My best friend uh, Roger Cabrera And my wife Bethany Romero
1: And then both Ruben and Ben You work together On a book called Pray for Angels That you mentioned earlier
5: Yes, correct. correct. It's an adaptation from a screenplay by Christian Fraga, and it's a movie that we are currently in uh, pre-production.
1: Let's just uh, tackle each of these one at a time. Let's start with, I guess, The Agency, and then we'll uh, dive into uh, Praise for Angels. Pray for Angels, excuse me. All right, so yeah, tell us all about The Agency.
4: Um, The Agency is... um... Uh, we like to pitch it at comic book conventions. Uh, when people come up to the table, we uh, they they ask us, "Oh, you know, what is it about?" And basically, the elevator pitch is uh, Harry Potter meets Mission Impossible minus the wands. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, essentially, our, our, our world, our story takes place in the real world, and it's being overran by dark mage criminals and dark mage terrorist cell groups, and uh, our government uh, responds by creating a three-letter organization to deal with these uh, with these dark mage criminals, and that organization is the IAM, the International Agency of Magic, and um, and that 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 three-letter organization is consists of mages uh, that have have uh, certain abilities, and they are tasked with tracking down these criminals and disrupting these terror cell groups and and basically, you know, arresting them and, and bringing them to justice. And it's all seen through the eyes of a 15-year-old orphan named Riley Dean, who uh, accidentally triggers his own magical capabilities, trying to stop a robbery. And that gets the attention of the IAM. Um, and we start to find out that, um, that Riley uh, is c- capable of not only... Uh, conjuring magic and and and, and basically he can basically uh travel into different fields of magic which our mages uh in our world can't do so if you're a healer mage you're a healer mage and if you uh, are a conjurer you're a conjurer uh but riley seems to be able to do all of these things and um and he seems uh, he has a, a very mysterious background and he's very important to not only our good guys but our bad guy as well and uh, and yeah it's just um it's a love child, man. Like, what, what can I say? I mean, it was it was born because um, I I was screenplay writing with, uh, with my best friend, Roger Cabrera. And um, we had just finished doing a contest for Amazon. And we got the bug, you know, the writing bug. And we were like, we need to do something else. But, you know, if we write another screenplay, we know we're not going to be able to shoot the movie. What, you know, what do you want to do? And uh, I had just picked up The Walking Dead again. And 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 both of us kind of agreed. Hey, let's let's write a comic book. And uh, we started to talk about you know what 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 it would be, what what it would be about. You know what the content of the book would be about. And um, and he was like, "Have you ever heard of mages?" And I was like, "No." I was like, "I'm not familiar with the term." And he explained to me what it was. And so the gears started to turn. And and I brought the idea to my wife. And my wife. at the time was like, well, what if we, you know, add this layer and this layer, you know, so little by little, this whole thing started to take shape. And, you know, uh, a year later, we were five issues in, you guys are, I just, uh, I I had sent you volume one. So we're releasing the trade paperback at New York Comic Con, and then it'll be available in stores nationwide, uh, comic book stores nationwide in October. So um, so we're you know, we're really happy with it. I mean, I I just love the book.
1: And thank you so much for sending us a a copy of that, too. Again, we did not have enough time to read it. But uh, the first few pages I was looking through, it looks like by page three, you're already like caught up in some kind of an action sequence. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, no, we we um, I wanted to open it up. Uh, you know, in that vein, because I always think it's uh, interesting the way uh, Mission Impossibles uh, always open up in the sense where, you know, it seems like a normal situation. You know, you're at a party, everybody's in a tux and a dress, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tom Cruise gets into the bathroom and takes off his mask, and he's, you know, he's Tom Cruise, he's Agent Ethan Hunt, and you know, he's on a mission. He's not just at a party; he's on a mission. So, and I wanted to introduce our characters and and uh, and their dynamics uh, right away. I wanted you to kind of just get sucked in right away. Um, so we did that on purpose, so that you get to see that <clears throat> not only is our team extremely capable. Uh, and, 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 and very efficient at their job, but that they're led by, by a very strong female character uh, that goes by the name of Victoria Winner, and that she's kind of a no-nonsense kind of gal, and uh, she's probably the only one in that first few pages that kind of treats it as a job, um, and everybody else is kind of more relaxed and, and laid back. Um, but yeah, uh, we don't we don't we don't pull any punches. We get right to the action, and and we we we, we introduce our characters fairly fast. Um, but I think we've planted a lot of seeds in the first five issues that are going to uh, you know blossom, so to speak, uh, in the next two volumes. I cannot wait to read. It. That yeah, just
1: sounds I'm getting, awesome. I'm getting amped. Like two sides <laughs> pulling on each arm. You know, like he's mine. No, oh, he's mine. Awesome. Now tell us about Pray for Angels.
5: So Pray for Angels is based on the, uh, as I mentioned, the feature film script by Christian Fraga. He is somebody I've known since 2006. We did our first uh, film together called Severe Clear, a uh, uh, single-person point of view of the War of Iraq when the Marines invaded in 2003. Oh, wow. And there's a certain—now, without revealing, because you've only gotten issue one, so the story takes many twists and turns, and I can't reveal it, but I kind of— There was a particular genre of film that I really liked, and I challenged Christian to write a script for that uh, story that would be very uh, commercial. And we were at a comic book store in New York uh, right by their office. I think it was Midtown Comics. Oh, yeah. And he's like, what do you think about this story and a retelling of Jack the Ripper? So Pray for Angels is a different spin on what we think uh, happened to Jack Ripper, uh, Jack the Ripper, who the Jack Ripper is, in a different time. We fast forward to 1901 Paris, and uh, so different location, different time. And we tell a story about the, what we think, uh, you know, who he is and what could have happened after uh, he disappeared from London. Um, it's uh, horror slash mystery uh, with lots of twists and turns, we're currently in the almost finished with issue four. So I wish I could tell you more, but it would definitely spoil uh, a couple of major surprises in issue four and issue five. Yeah,
0: we don't uh, want that, that. Yeah,
5: that's gonna take take you know make your story and go. What are these? I mean, like what? There's it, it's mind blowing. Yeah, you know, when I first read the script, I. Had goosebumps because it was really something unique, and uh, we're currently in the uh, pre-production stage of the feature, uh, hoping to shoot next summer in uh, Budapest and Paris. Wow! And uh, you know, it's very gothic. It's um, it plays on the title "Pray for Angels." Again, I can't really explain it because it would spoil.
1: I've done enough spoiling this episode. <laughs> do more.
5: It's a mature title. Um, it's definitely got its fair share of. Uh, horrific gore and violence And uh, Nudity and sex So I don't recommend it for anybody under 18 In fact it's out on Comixology As a mature title hmm. um, It'll probably be a very strong R movie um, but it's, in my language yeah. <laughs> But for, for horror fans For mystery fans For Jack the Ripper fans um, and that genre I think it will definitely satiate their appetites And more
1: and you were saying this is a, a fictional continuation to what we historically know of Jack the
4: Ripper, like when he dropped off the radar.
5: That is correct, yes.
1: Nice. Cool. Very cool,
4: yeah. yeah. And it's very historically accurate in the sense where we touch upon his original crimes and and what he did. Um, there's a character in the, in the story uh, called Shelby, who is actually from the Scotland Yard, who is uh, well, probably the only detective... Uh, you know, in our story that that came close to, you know, Catching Jack the Ripper and coming face to face with him, uh, but obviously Jack, you know, evaded him. Um, but it's very, you know, he's very tormented, uh, and you know, he's he's brought in by the the Parisian police because he's somewhat of a, a, a of an expert. Um, so, you know, uh, for for Ripperologists and people who who have who love Jack the Ripper, they will see a lot of nods to to his original murders and and who who that character really is. Um, but again, it's it's a total spin on. On, on who he is and 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 how this story can be reimagined in a really cool, uh, you know, horror genre to kind of way. So it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Christian Fraga wrote an amazing script, and um, and I had the you know the privilege of uh, of adapting it into five. Issues and it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, it does. I can't wait to read that one either. Of course, we won't give any spoilers no. <laughs> until, uh, <laughs> until we say it's You guys say it's all right. But <laughs> uh, both of these titles are available in Comixology, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And on your website, Think Alike Productions.
4: Correct. Correct. That'll redirect you to, um, to comiXology or, uh, oh, we see. just, uh, or, um, we just opened up a big cartel, uh, website where the agency is available now. And once we have the trade paperback available for, um, for Prey, that'll go on there as well. It'll, it'll tra- it'll transition from kind of like an agency big cartel more to a think alike big cartel. But yeah, I mean, we've got plans to, to pretty much have everybody's Title on there at some point. Um, we're just you know trying to grow the brand and, um, and and work our way up the ranks of independent publishers, and uh, put out good you know out of the box you know fun stories um, we try to to work with great artists you know as you know you know George Acevedo did an amazing job with uh, with salvagers um, oh, yeah. and it's it's a top-tier beautiful book um, I've got Eric Coda who does the agency um, you know people all the time they read it and they're like man this looks like a like an Indiana Jones movie or something and you know and that's that's a compliment to me at least because it just it just makes me feel like like I'm on the right track um, <clears throat> Sajad Shah is uh is the artist on uh, Pray for Angels and he's amazing. I mean, it, when you open that book up you're going to be like this is this is lifelike. Like it's it's re- it's almost like realist. It's it's almost like realistic art type deal. Like there's no cartoony kind of looking characters. All the people mm-hmm. look like, you know, like real people. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, we just we just you know, we, we want to set a bar and we want to make sure that that people understand that that think Like productions takes itself very seriously as far as being an independent comic book publisher. And and we want you guys to enjoy the stories and come back for more.
1: It's, it's very evident that uh, you guys take a lot of pride in your work because, I mean, you'll see other comic publishers out there. I know we've come into contact with some. Not that I'll uh, mention anyone or not that anyone's coming to mind right now, but they get a lot of titles on their brand just to have titles. It looks mm-hmm. like uh, Think Alike Productions mm. is taking care of, you know, yeah. who they want to represent their name. And all the titles, you know, like Max Hunter... Uh, again, salvagers, salvagers, yep. great, great, great books.
4: Yeah, no, that's exactly what we wanted to do. We, 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 you know, we could sit back and say, okay, let's go find, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry who's out there publishing their own indie book, and, you know. Slap on the Think Like logo and put them on Comicsology and and take a cut and sit back and and do what we do. Um, but that's not you know that's not what we set out to do. We we knew that we wanted to grow a library of uh, you know premium titles, so to speak. Uh, you know premium art and something that you know when you go on again, like I said, I've got like 30 books in my repile. I'm a big comic book fan and I love you know not just our titles but but Marvel, DC, Image, um, and you know sometimes I'll go to the store and I'll drop a 100 and something dollars on comic books, but you know. <laughs> I, I know that when you know, comic book fans, if they're anything like me, they're very cautious of what they spend their money on. Yeah. And you know, every now, every now and then, you'll roll the dice. You know, Bill and Ted, cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know, and it's a dollar ninety-nine, two ninety-nine. It's not a big deal. But, but sometimes it is. You know, and right. especially you know nowadays with the newer collectors or people who are getting back into comic books, they they may not go mainstream. They'll go more independent. And you know, we have to as, as independent and. and as an independent publisher we have to take care of that person who's spending 299 399 on our book and if it's an issue one you know we want to suck you in we want to pull you in and the only way to do that is to have great art and a good and, and a great story behind it, and and you know, and then hopefully we cross our fingers and hope that you enjoyed that, right, and that you come back. But we want to make sure that at least we did our job. And when we put out a book, we want to, you know, we want to be proud of that, and we want to say, okay, yes, this deserves the think like logo. I mean, at least in our minds, um, and you know, we might not be known r- world renowned, but we're known to us, and that's enough, you know, and that's right. and that's something that's enough to say, okay, we're setting this bar. And we're not going to go, you know, we'll go above that bar, you know, when and, you know, when we can and the opportunity presents itself, but we'll never go under it. Um, right. And that's and that's, you know, what we want to bring to the comic book world. That's the mindset where success comes in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So does uh, Think Alike Productions, I know you, you mentioned you've been at some conventions. Do you does think alike productions go as a, a whole unit to conventions or do you guys take each individual project out? How does that work?
4: um in the beginning when we first started out it was it was only the agency um and as the year progressed we um we brought on max hunter and the last two cons that we did florida supercon and uh uh orlando's MegaCon, we shared the booth with um with alex lobato and his mm. creative team um so we were there pushing the agency and max hunter we've got a huge banner that um excuse me that promotes all of our titles it's got all the covers of of all of our titles um we'll be um we'll be sharing the space at new york comic-con this year uh with uh bob sally from salvagers so i'm mm-hmm. nice. super pumped about that me and him have we've become my wife says that that's my uh that's my new best friend because we're always on um, <laughs> uh, you know that we're always on the phone together where me and him are actually working on on a new book uh that uh, I'll, I'll keep in the pocket you know and i'll play close to the chest for now no and,
5: spoilers no spoilers <laughs>
4: but um but me and him are, are working on a brain you know on, on a little love child and and uh that's taking shape but, yeah, and um, and the Max Hunter guys they will be in another booth um, uh, on the New York Comic Con floor. So we're all going to be in attendance. I at think like you know as Think of Like Productions we're just going to be in separate booths, uh, but we're going to be at New York Comic Con, which is a huge, huge con. So yeah, and then next year, you know, as 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 time comes, we'll we'll definitely, you know, everybody's in different locations. You know, uh, Kevin who does Sekuro is out in California. Bob is in Boston. Uh, I'm in Tampa alex lobato from max hunter is down in miami uh so it's sometimes you know when we can coordinate it yes we will definitely make it happen and, and we'll all be there um but nine times out of ten it's it's mostly just me my wife uh my best friend roger and benjamin um manning the thinker like booth and uh and we're out there you know just trying to push the the titles and and trying to promote the brand and, and get people to know us i'm
1: gonna say if you guys uh, happen to a con around ohio you should let us know we gotta come meet you
4: Oh no! Definitely, I have a I have a friend of mine, one of our one of our first uh, supporters. Um, he's uh, he lives out in Ohio, and uh, he's always he's always like, "Man, you got to come out here." I know you sent you know I sent him a <laughs> agency issue one sign, and he's got it, you know. Hung up in plastic And he's He's like I love you You know you, you guys gotta come out here You guys gotta do a con out here And I'm like No definitely I mean We'll We're, we're gonna keep on traveling Again I think as a startup company you You know Not only do you, Do we have the 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 issues of putting together these stories, making sure they're right, putting them out there and promoting them. And then, you know, along with with all the, you know, the pressures of being a writer and a creator, you have the the pressures and the issues of being a small business. And that's kind of like where Benjamin comes in, where he says, you know, as far as the business mind and and the executive producer of the books, he says, okay, look, this is where the money's going to go. This is how we're going to use the money. These are the cons we're going to go to. Um, You know, if we want to go here, it's going to cost this much in expenses, and then we're going to have this much left over you know so it's right. it's really it's really you know a, a give and take kind of relationship but i think you know as time goes you know within a year we've been able to put out five issues of the agency adapt a feature length screenplay you know feature length film screenplay uh, and pick up four independent creators uh, you know, with with great books, um, we sat on a panel uh, that was labeled breakout successes of Comicsology, with um, with uh, Joshua Filikoff who does Bunker, uh, oh, wow, with with, with Comicsology at New York Comic Con last year. Um, so you know, we've done a lot in a year. So I think that next year then you know if the bar was at level 10 this year well then the bar will be set to level 20 next year and we'll try to and we'll try to get there you know we'll do everything that we can to get there and if that means going out to ohio or california or wherever you know that's what we're going to try to do and just you know slowly spread the thinker like virus <laughs> 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 through the 50 states um And so on and so forth I mean we've even got Salvagers is translated In France In French And in German We've got the agency Translated in French So we've even got Those guys that are out there They're like well You need to come to Germany And do a con out here You need to come to Paris And do a con out here So it's like You know there's There's so many things We want to do But again with a small business And and, and being an indie publisher You have to be careful You have to be careful And not you know Overstep your boundaries Or or, or do things You know put put the cart Before the horse um, Which as a small business owner, I think you do every now and then and you learn from those experiences, but we've learned a lot this year and I think next year you know, you'll know, you see signs of that, that growth and that maturity. Well,
1: I really hope we get a chance to meet you guys. Yep. I mean, you guys have uh, success written all over you, it would seem.
5: <laughs> oh, thank you. A lot.
1: Well, no, thank you guys. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your evening to accommodate uh, you know, being on the show with our last minute schedule changes, so thank you so much.
4: And that's not a no, problem. thank I, you. We enjoyed and, it.
1: Good man, I had a great time. It turned out to be a good episode, wasn't it? Yeah, the new oh, format yeah. changed too. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think it turned out really well. So, it'll develop as we go, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. So yeah, to, uh, to our listeners, go to www.thinkalikeproductions.com and check out all the awesome titles that are over there and also on Twitter at uh think like a thinkalike pro, is that correct? Thinkalike Pro. Yeah. Thinkalike Pro there on Twitter. Uh, any other uh, places we should tell people to look for you?
4: Um, you can find us on Instagram. I promise you won't uh, you won't get a thousand selfies. It's all about our <laughs> it's, it's all about our comic books, and we're we're on Instagram as Think Alike Productions. And if you look up uh, on Facebook, uh, Think Like Productions, that should pop up as well. It's our logo. It's a it's a light bulb with uh, with our initials TAP on there. That's why we're always hashtagging tap. Uh, that's a you know hashtag tap into comics or tap into the agency or tap into Salvagers or whatever the case may be. Um, so. We're on Facebook as well um, And that'll lead you to all of our individual pages For uh, all of our titles Such as Pray for Angels, The Agency Salvagers, Max Hunter um, But yeah, no, we're, we're all over the place Like I said, we're trying to spread that that Think-alike virus
1: Right, well <laughs> hey, we're going to help you spread yeah, that I was virus just going to so say that We'll put uh, some links on web, our website for you And uh, we'll also Instagram and Twitter the heck out of it Alright?
5: Yeah. Great, awesome. thank you, and enjoy you so uh, the reads
1: oh yeah, oh yeah, I can't wait, I can't wait Jack, what else we got on the website?
2: Oh, uh, we got the show blog where you can read up on our guests, see what they're doing. We got videos, trailers, photos. The Canned Air Video Game Store,
1: Movie Store, Comic Book Store, and the Wall of Heroes. All kinds of goodies on there. And don't forget to find us on inst- or excuse me—and don't forget to find us on Twitter at AirPod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. And our YouTube channel. We should yep. have uh, two new unboxing videos up there now. Uh, an updated TMNT box unboxing video. Yep. I was sent the wrong one, and the people over at uh, TMNT box uh, caught wind of the air and sent a whole new box over, so it was downright decent of them. And uh, a Comic Bento box. Yep, from July. From July. So yeah, check those out uh, on YouTube. Leave comments, likes, subscribe, do what you will. <laughs> Anything else, Jack? That's it for this show. Until next time, I am Jeremy Collie. I'm Jack Doherty.
4: This is Ruben Romero. This is
1: Benjamin Charvet. And we'll see you next time.
3: Party on, dudes.
5: Excellent. Excellent!
0: And Ghosts taste real good! Ghostbusters! Marshmallow Ghosts! Fruit flavored oats! Ghostbusters taste great! With milk and juice and toast! A nutritious breakfast with the ghost. Ghostbusters! Fruit flavored oats! Ghostbusters! Marshmallow Ghosts! Hey, what What you gonna crunch?
3: find my
1: dad. Hang on there, little Jimmy. Hey, it's Alpine. While you're waiting on your negligent parents to find you, why don't you pull out your mobile device and get on cannedairpodcast.com? Shoot, it may even help you find you. Well, that makes no sense. Hey, what are you doing near my son? Time to split.
5: G.I. Joe!
1: you keep hearing that? Mm-hmm. sounds like a, like a clown horn. Yeah. I might have to read. Good, good, good. Do a mic check. The
3: power of editing. Yeah. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War. But half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hastie, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, america's first asian counterinsurgency conflict the heroes the villains we'll discuss president mckinley admiral dewey the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk theodore roosevelt's presidency check out our show ohio versus the world on the evergreen podcast network for our new episode about america's most
5: forgotten war now back to the show